All right, welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the session basketball podcast episode one. Your host from the East Coast, <laughs> Ben, and I'm here with Omar. What's going on, man? Pretty good, Ben. How are you? I'm good, man. I'm good. I'm just hanging out right now. I'm super excited that we got a new space. We got a new setup, right? We we already moving on from episode zero. We Honestly, got a new spot. We're, we're moving up in the world. Um, you know, a whole bunch of sponsors reached out to us after that initial episode, and they put us up in this pretty nice office and. Yeah. Uh, I think I think this is we're on the up and up, man. It's crazy how far your imagination can take you, isn't it? Like we can just we can just think, and then these sponsorships that you just made up, yeah, will just appear out of nowhere. Honestly, the power of manifestation. Didn't we talk about that before? We we have the power of <laughs> yeah. manifestation, and and look where it brought us. It brought us four feet down from your bedroom into the spare office, <laughs> from a broken drawer to a broken desk. I think we're definitely moving up in the world. Honestly <laughs> speaking. All right, so let's get down to it, man. I'm excited. This is our first episode. This is, yeah, this no. uh, episode zero, notwithstanding. This is, this is the, this is it, man. Yeah, like uh, I mean, we had talked about it before, right? Like episode zero is probably going to be the toughest one because it's just like, what do we really talk about? It's just like, yeah, welcome to the podcast. And we talked about like another podcast with another Twitter handle. We gave like history and all that. But I'm super stoked now because there's so much we need to talk about. So, so, right? so let's get into it, man. Let's just start off what's been going on man what's going on with you right now what's going on with me that's a good question i you know like i I, we kind of talked about this off the podcast before but i've been really focused on just you know hobbies trying to you know like just find something that i'm actually having fun with because i I told you before right like there's this quotation that i read it's just like you want to work towards something like we're working we're making money and all that but like what are we making that money for if not for something right so recently, I picked up, based off my uh, quarter-life crisis, uh, skateboarding, which I think is super freaking dope. I've been doing it for a few months now. Nothing too, too crazy. I can't do tricks or anything like that. I can barely ride it. Like, I tried, like, you know, you know, I've been going pretty consistently, like, throughout the weekends, like, after work and all that. Um, I fell, like, a bunch of times, but, you know, that doesn't, that doesn't, that doesn't keep me from, from going back at it, you know? No, that's good. And, uh, I mean, we're in Canada, so you're only going to have like, a few more weeks before it starts snowing. So ride it's not that a as very smart can. investment, is it? Now that I think about it, you're right. There's like, what is it? Like already August, mid August. Dude, I have like another month or two and then it's just dudzo. Do they have like winter? Have you seen winter bicycles? Like with the really thick wheels? Like, Does that exist? Yeah, winter bikes. So, so when I'm in school, like in Waterloo, I see some people riding those bicycles, and they look like military bicycles. the The wheel is like four or five inches thick. The tire, sorry, the tire is like four or five inches thick. So I'm just trying to imagine a skateboard. Man, that would take so much leg strength to do. Yeah, I feel like okay for the crazy people in Waterloo who are doing that. Like you have to be so dedicated. Like the GRT, like the isn't the local transit like three dollars don't like waterloo students get like a free pass like just use yeah, it like, like, like why are you all, having these all, all students do get a free like pass. these seven inch tires which i feel like it's so unnecessary but i mean hey if you really like biking do you but yeah man like i've just been focusing on that really and it's not just limited to that like i want to do other things as well i want to do more um you know i want to get back into cooking i spoke to you about that before i want to get i just want to find something where i'm just like hey i'm 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 having fun. You know, it's a great way to relieve stress, especially with work. I mean, like I'm working full time right now. So it's like you got to do something to 
kind of take away from that. There's only so much going to the gym can do. You want to do other things as well. So, I mean, that's what I'm kind of focused on right now. Okay, I saw that humble brag that you kind of snuck <laughs> in there too. There's only so much that going to the gym to do. You didn't have to flex on us like that, man. Uh, by the way, I am benching two plates. Um, I just want to make that super clear to I everybody. I, I don't think there's a single person in your life that doesn't know you're benching two plates. We all get the snaps. We all see the stories on IG. <laughs> It's it's pretty clear, but but that's good to hear. You mentioned cooking, so cooking's like something that uh, I've been trying to get into more and yeah, more. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's such a rewarding experience, like the feeling that you can not even for myself, but to feed other people. Like it just makes me want to open up my own restaurant, which I know is totally different than cooking for yourself and for your family. Mm-hmm. But that it's it's really rewarding, and I I feel like it's something that i should have started a long time ago because it's such a useful skill to have to yeah. be able to open my fridge and be like oh let me make something out of the stuff that's in here though i can only make like a few things no nah, give yourself some credit man you've been killing it like i remember you know you're talking about my snapchats what about your snapchats of bread the single loaf of bread that you love to make every freaking day and just remind your followers all three of them Bread, you know, bread might be my my favorite thing to make. That's honestly, like the speaking. Omar, like that's the special right there. Like if I thought of one thing about cooking in Omar, it's that loaf of bread. That it's like a French bread, isn't it? But then I started doing slices too because it's easier for sandwiches. Change so the game I, up, yeah, like yeah, yeah. on any cake tin. And I mean, I don't mean to brag, but I recently threw whole wheat into the mix. Oh, so relax, so now I got now I got some relax. whole wheat bread. Yeah, you know, I've just been on this new like uh, self help wave. I feel like it takes so much patience to first of all pick up that skill and then you know like consistently go at it right like you've got to tell me more about that like well first of all what caused you to really pick up that hobby in the first place or like what made you go okay you know what out of everything out of painting out of i don't know making music well you've made music before and you've been you're pretty bad at it like i've heard your freestyle so i'm not trying to I'm not trying to oh say anything, but like, I don't think I don't think it's for you. But no, no. But seriously, like on a serious note, like, what made you go out of all all this that we've done, or that you've, or that you've just yeah. cooking that I really want to focus on? So I don't know. I feel like I picked it up at a at a point in my life where I felt like I didn't have enough going on outside of what I was supposed to do. So like, I was in school doing my master's full time, and I was just so bored of doing nothing but homework, doing nothing but school. And I didn't feel like I was progressing or developing myself. So I play like a lot of RPGs and stuff like that. And I always feel like if I'm not grinding or power leveling a skill, then I'm not really playing it the right way because I'm wasting time. It's like, why Mm -hmm. am I talking to some random peasant in Skyrim when I could be like grinding my skills and becoming like better conjurer or whatever it might be. So when i i felt uh, like sorry just to cut you off um for the listeners um omar's clearly a pretty big nerd um <laughs> you just made an analogy about conjuring and peasants from skyrim i just want to make that super clear ben we're sitting in this office and if i turn 90 degrees to my right i see a <laughs> nintendo 64 there with all kinds of dweeb hey, games yo man yo okay, do not call goldeneye a dweeb game okay that's like one of the goats. Oh my Respect God. that. I love that game so much, but it is so difficult to it play. Is, is. On the aiming is so old. On three on why were there three prongs to that controller? What no, purpose man. could I, that serve? But you know, at the time, like I remember playing it with my cousins. Yeah. We loved it. Loved playing it. And I was a little bit older. Like my brother, you know, like, you know, he's a little bit older than me, so he got he played it quite a bit with his friends and all that, but 
you know, because we were just getting all the hand-me-downs from our older brothers, I played a lot of N64 as well, and, like, GoldenEye was the shit. GoldenEye Smash, like, those were, you know, like, those are the two classics right there. I, I have such vivid memories of, of like, Smash and, and GoldenEye and Pokemon Stadium. I don't know if yeah, you remember yeah, yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, of course, Oh, of course. my God, I, I love that game. And you know what I also have vivid memories of? Us wanting to play the games and our brothers giving us controllers that weren't plugged in <laughs> and 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 us not realizing it till much later so yeah. man you know, they I, were mean to us no, they were they were actually like terrible brothers yeah I think about it and i'm letting all of this loose in like episode number one of the podcast yeah. all of my uh, <laughs> this is <laughs> this is therapy corner this is th- <laughs> welcome to the session i remember therapy podcast you know i remember from for the xbox my brother this freaking guy like he he tricked me okay like we, you remember that Hitman? Do you remember Hitman Two? Uh, Silent we, Assassin. Oh, was that the one before Blood Money? It was before Blood Money. Okay, it was yeah. before Blood Money. Um, yeah. So Hitman Two, we went to like the flea market or something because we were broke. We went there, and he sees Hitman Two available. So I'm like, okay, let's get it. And he convinces my parents because it's an M-rated game. So okay. you got to take a lot of convincing, yeah. you know, like just to get your parents to buy it. He's like, oh no, don't worry, it's two players. It's two players. Like, look at the back. Look at the back. It's two players. You know, like I'm really stupid. I'm. Yeah. Still am, kind of, but you know, he, he points it and he's just like, Yes, yeah, two players, don't worry, we're gonna play together. Yeah. Freaking single player game, bro. I had I played that game probably three years afterwards oh when my, my brother God. was all finished with it. Yeah. I mean to be honest, still like classic, like great memories with it. Yeah. But I feel like my biggest memory associated with it is how my brother just lied to my face. <laughs> you know, like made my parents buy with their hard earned money. Yeah. An M rated single player game that I couldn't play till like much later. Oh my god. I don't know, man. It's just it's Yeah, video games with older brothers. Um so for me it's uh NBA two K. Oh my <laughs> god. You're so bad I, at that game. I hate NBA two K You're so passion. bad. At it. I hate it with a passion <laughs> and I hate how every argument amongst <laughs> us needs to be settled in two K. I Oh my god! Well, I mean, you know, we don't play real ball. Like, if it comes to real basketball, it's gonna be like, oh, it's gonna take like twenty four hours for us to finish a game of seven. So we might as well play it on two K, right? And then settle it from there. Oh my god, man! He's still to this day. Like, he'll come back on weekends or something, and he'll be like, "Yo, let's play two K." And we're playing like a tour. I think it's two years old or something like that the game so the rosters aren't even updated yeah and then he's like let's play clippers versus lakers and none of the players that we want on those teams are there yeah. so he's moving he's roster editing lebron onto onto the lakers uh-huh. ad onto the lakers and and you know me how much i care about landry shaman that's yeah. my that's my brand landry shaman doesn't exist in the game oh no how can i play with the clippers if he is doesn't he that exist? young I had no idea Landry Shamu was, was, was like two. Key. So that means he's like what sophomore year? He's going into his. He's third going year? into his second year. He's going into his second he's year. Going into his second year. So yeah, oh the, my the game didn't even know he existed. He was probably like in grade eleven or something like that oh, when this game Sam was made. Sam Presti is is looking for some grade elevens <laughs> right now as we speak. Bro, Sam Presti is looking for some eighth graders right now. Dude, do you know how much I would have loved? Well, we got SGA. Okay. Right, we got we got him. Which you know, I wanna. From what I've seen, at least the highlight tapes that I've seen, at least about um, about SGA, is first of all, like he seems, he's a shooter, which yeah. is something obviously Oklahoma City is not familiar with. Yeah, he seems like he's able to shoot. He seems like a very pure point guard. Yeah, you know what I mean. He's able to make those passes. His mid range looks clean. His form looks good. Yeah, I don't know about athleticism. I don't know if he really has 
that which is super not sam presti like you know yeah. what i mean but he seems like a true point guard and you know like with the upcoming season i know we're kind of jumping ahead already but with the upcoming season man if cp3 cannot be a donkey for like a, a season <laughs> and just if he can he's still one he is one of the best true point guards that ever was in the nba don't you think chris paul cp3 yeah. is yeah. one of the best true point guards yeah no, I I don't even think we need to put that caveat in there. Chris Paul, like his accolades on paper, his achievements on paper don't do him justice. Yeah. Because Chris Paul is the number one player for the um for the statement that context matters. Because you look at it on paper and you're like, oh well, they lost in the second round. Another year, the Clippers not yeah. like uh, Lob City not being able to make it. But then you go back and you actually watch those you watch those games and you're just blown away by his performances. You're blown away how he single-handedly won so many games. And context really does matter. The the injuries, it's not like he wanted to be injured. It's mm-hmm. not like he woke up one day and he's like, "Well, time to get injured so my team can advance to the Western yeah, Conference yeah. Finals or anything like that." So, context matters a lot, but I think even despite all that, he's going to go down as one of the best to play at that position. No, I mean, I mean, I think so too. I, you know, what's funny is I know we have we we have a you know we have someone that listens to this podcast who is a huge CP3 fan. Yeah, friend of the pod. So I feel yeah. like we should humble. Like we've been praising CP3 a lot. I'm just gonna go on the flip side a little bit, and this is something I'm genuinely worried about. So I want to get your opinion on this. Okay, hit me. Okay. Yeah, injuries. That's not something you can control. However clearly there has been some locker room issues do you agree or do you not agree media narratives whatever you can say what you want but clearly something isn't working with chris paul wherever he's gone so far yeah so clippers rockets and you know what it's been confirmed in terms of rockets there had to be a little bit of a spark that caused some disruption Otherwise, you know, like this whole, I feel like there's something with CP3. I think he's a very Kobe-like super competitor, which is a good thing in one. But I also think it kind of takes away from the locker room. And I think there has been issues that I'm sure we can take a look at um, that exist. It's just the fact of the matter. You know what I mean? So that's one thing I'm definitely worried about is... You know, like when you bring a guy like CP3, who obviously has the accolades, he's a he's a Hall of Famer for crying out loud. Like he's gonna be, you know, as you said, one of the one of the greats to play in that position. But what I'm worried about is Oklahoma City right now is in a stage of development. They have so much young talent. I think Ter- Terrence Ferguson is gonna do great things. You know, like as a three and D, he's super athletic. Um, you know, and then we have SGA, who I think is going to be awesome as well at the point guard position. So I'm hoping it's more so a SGA learning from Chris Paul thing, and not Chris Paul coming in being like, "Nah, I can still ball." You know, I can still ball. I can show. I can show these young cats what to do. Because if it starts like that, then I feel like this year won't shape out to be how I want it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So my whole my whole way of thinking has always been, I don't really give too much credence to the locker room issues and things like that because the fact of the matter is none of us actually know i don't know chris paul i don't know any of these guys right so i don't know how they behave in the locker room but at a certain point 
I guess where there where there's smoke there is fire too, right? You need to acknowledge the results of what has happened, like beyond what intentions might have been. You need to, I guess, look at the results. And I guess the fact of the matter is, like, I don't think James Harden is yet. What is it? August twelfth, and James Harden still hasn't like said goodbye or uh, no, made a poster, like no, anything like, like that. that to to Chris Paul. Nope. He hasn't answered any questions. So there was clearly some type of falling out that happened, and maybe that just comes down to reading the room on Chris Paul's part because he needed to realize that James Harden is the franchise guy, and if he wanted to spend the rest of that contract in Houston, he needed to find a way to get along with the franchise guy. It's just yeah. one of those things. It's like Jimmy Butler, when he comes to Philadelphia, he knows he can't piss off Joel Embiid. Why? Because Joel Embiid is the franchise. Mm-hmm. And and if Joel Embiid doesn't like you, then you absolutely have no chance. And Embiid loved Jimmy. The, the way things happened, uh, he loved him and he still ended up moving and that's just how the league goes. But Jimmy knew that he... to reinvent his persona and his personality he needed to get along with everybody in philly and that's exactly what he did which is why right now at this point in the season no one's talking about jimmy butler being a locker room cancer no one's talking about jimmy butler tearing apart the locker room but at the beginning of last season was this not what everyone talked about game of zones that episode of jimmy like tearing apart the minnesota locker the practice the infamous practice that was so funny that's all everyone talked about and how do you rewrite that narrative you go into a new situation and you enter there and you accept your role and you perform according to those expectations and i guess that's just something that chris ball for one reason or another and, and again we don't know all the facts that's not something that he did and and maybe harden was at fault maybe what chris paul was saying was correct and if they had just listened to what he said, they could have won. They could have beat the injured Warriors and, and made it past them. And maybe Harden's at fault, and maybe this is just Harden's way of saying, I don't care. I, if that's what it takes to win, I don't want to do that. I'd rather do things my way. And and that might be what's happening here. I mean, Harden is clearly a guy who cares about the numbers. Like, now, let's be let's now, be completely honest Now, I, I, I know you're not talking about numbers when your favorite player is Russell Westbrook. Okay. Russell Russell Westbrook, who who recently got traded to the Houston Rockets, yeah, I and, don't wanna. And just so everyone knows, like this has been just a a monumental moment in our in our group of friends because on the one hand we have a a Chris Paul stan who absolutely hates Oklahoma City and Russell Westbrook, and now his favorite player is on Oklahoma, and we have my co-host Ben who hates James Harden and the Houston Rockets, and now his favorite player is on the Houston Rockets. Okay, so this is going to be, like, maybe this should be, like, a, a segment within the podcast, but I need to vent. Okay. I need to, I need to just, what the, like, okay, that entire thing was so, like, I get it in terms of a fan of Oklahoma City, the Thunder as a team, I told you before, I talked about it. When Paul George left, Russell Westbrook had to go. But the Rockets, man? (laughs) The Houston Rockets? Of all the places you could go, it had to be Houston. Like, they... Daryl Morey, okay? This man has talked so much shit about Russ, about him and his MVP, that he rightfully won because he had... Okay, beyond the beyond averaging a triple double, which is unheard of. I mean, it's happened twice, so it's not that yeah, unheard of. Because he's the goat. Uh, I mean, 
when you get past that, it's the game winners, Philadelphia, Denver. It was a magical season. And Gerald Moore's like, oh, well, you know, Russell Westbrook did not deserve to be MVP. It should have been James Harden. Yeah, okay. And now all of a sudden, it's, I don't know if you saw that poster in Houston. It's like, in Russ, we trust. I shed so many tears <laughs> as I saw that shit. It's like, when it initially happened, I was kind of like, he had to go. I'm glad he's in a situation where he can at least compete. You know, like Houston Rockets, I feel like people are going to be like, oh, you know, like all the memes, oh, you're going to need two basketballs. But I really do feel that Russ and Harden will be able to make it work. And the reason why I say that is because look at last season. I watch every single Oklahoma game. And Russell Westbrook deferred to Paul George, similar to, to the way where he deferred to, uh, to KD back in the day. I think Russ is able to adjust because he's a competitor and he wants to win. He wants to win. And and you know what? I I agree with you. I think they I think they will win a nice 55 games and get knocked out in the first or second <laughs> round and just about that. But I have no doubt in Russell Westbrook's ability to win regular season games. Regular season games. I mean, you know what? With that roster, Russ, you know, like going back to Sam Presti just a little bit. I feel like Russ wasn't he didn't get the shooters that I feel like that I felt like he needed. And I think Houston has that. They have a lot of shooters. Now, if Russ isn't able to make anything work in Houston in this upcoming season, because oh my god, we gotta talk about the parody in the league. How exciting is next year gonna be? I've never been so excited about a basketball season in so long. It's been Miami, it's been the Spurs, it's been Golden State. Golden State and Cleveland was the, you know, like that, those were the two teams that you, you know, like you had to um, pay attention to, like come April. Be like, yeah, we already know what's going to happen. Yeah. But now there's so much parity in the league. There's like, what? Like, if we go over the Western Conference, so many teams. I'm going to hit you with some and you tell me what you think, okay? Okay. Let's start off with, obviously, the LA Lakers. Yeah. There are always going to be title contenders with LeBron on. Until LeBron retires, his teams will always be title contenders. LeBron and Anthony Davis. I don't think people are actually grasping that. Yeah. Because a lot of people are, you know, a lot of people are thinking, oh, yeah, you know, they only have they only have LeBron. I mean, LeBron's 35 years old. This man's numbers were absolutely insane for a 35-year-old going into, what, his 17th season? 27-7, something like that? Something like that. Exactly. Yeah. And Anthony Davis, who is a superstar, yeah, they're going to be joining forces. Yeah, it it uh it comes down to we haven't really seen Anthony Davis play at peak level performance because of what happened last season. What happened with him choosing to sit out of all of those games, and then the Pelicans trying not to let their asset depreciate, so they have them holding them out of all those games as well. So Anthony Davis, when he did play, he'd play like one or two quarters and then sit the rest of it. And we never really saw him, so there's a bit of a recency bias where people aren't correctly valuing how good that duo can be. The defensive anchor that AD can be for an aging LeBron, the, the sheer ceiling that that team could have with just the two of them. But I think... It becomes easy to discount that Lakers team when you see the the incompetence that the front office has showed mm-hmm. in, rec- mm-hmm. in recently, and and this takes me back to last season's meme team where they assembled. And let me see if I can name them off the top of my list: Michael Beasley, Lance Stevenson, Javale McGee, Rajon Rondo, and Contavious Caldwell Pope. So, <laughs> like they're really 
they really went through that roster. They took photos together and they thought, you know what? We're going to contend. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you have Lad Stevenson's goofy ass. You have Beasley. Ronald uh, the Turtle. What what I don't understand is, in, in, the def- in the defense that a lot of diehard Laker fans give, and the defense that the Lakers front office tries, would try to give, not publicly, of course, is... Well, last year wasn't going to be the year that we we contended anyways because we didn't end up getting that second start. So this offseason was when they were going to try for it. They were going to try for a trade, like AD ended up happening, or they were going to try for signing a free agent or something along the lines of that. But last season didn't matter, so it's fine. And and that's what I never understand, where it's like, if you're going to write off a season, if you're going to do that, why pay those guys? Why not? take a chance on someone who might actually develop why not use that cap space to take on some bad contracts so you can stockpile some picks so your trade offers are even better in the following year why was that the best reason and i think this is something systemic that basketball fans really need to understand and knicks fans especially based off how their offseason went there is always an opportunity cost when it comes to the nba there is an opportunity cost of not doing the quote-unquote right thing which is building smart, which is taking on bad contracts, which is amassing a haul of picks so you can do something with it at a later date. And to choose to take a flyer on these one-year overpays, that doesn't do anything for your team. Because what's the best-case scenario? That that player in that one year does absolutely amazing, and now they're no longer under team control. What are you going to do? Let's say last year... Lance Stevenson had a breakout season and he was absolutely phenomenal because of that one-year deal what can they do this year they can't they'd have to overpay him to re-sign him or they let him walk and go to somewhere else so they have no value attached from that so that's why I'm very against those types of one-year deals even if they're not overpays like they're not what the Knicks did it just doesn't add any continuity to your team and it doesn't give you any additional benefit in the future. You know, what's funny is I remember, um, you know, first of all, free agency was crazy, like absolutely insane, the amount of stuff that happened. Like we're from Toronto, so obviously we're going to get into the whole Kawhi Leonard thing uh, in just a moment and obviously like the whole championship and all that. Well, first of all, like I, I just quickly Googled this. I just uh, quickly Googled uh, New, uh, New York Knicks the off-season moves. Now, do you remember, I would send you, we would send each other, like, uh, you know, like, each time Bleacher Report or Woj drop something. Yeah. We'd be like, the New York Knicks have gotten Julius Randle. <laughs> and all the, all the replies, one after the other, were always, please stop. This is enough. <laughs> you know, like, it'd be Todd Gibson. Oh, you know what? They're killing it this year. They got Todd Gibson. That's exactly what they needed. Man, it's just so funny to me to think about the New York Knicks giving up Porzingis. And I thought they were on some wave. I thought they knew something that the rest of the world didn't. And I'm pretty sure you thought the same thing too, right? I I, I tweeted that when it happened that unless they had a handshake handshake deal in place already, it was pure madness to do what they did. Yeah, It was was absolutely mad to do what they did, to, to have one of the most... And and I and I know he had he had the ACL injury, but he was still one of the most valuable assets in the league at the that unicorn, time. Man. The yeah. potential that he had, and and beyond potential, the the level that he had shown already. Because often we talk about a lot of these players as like, oh, so and so has a lot of potential. Michael Porter Jr. has a lot of potential, and that's great and all. And on that on whatever contract he might be, he end up he might end up being an asset. But 
Porzingis had actually shown it. He had proven it on the court that he can play at that elite level. And to give that away for something other than a confirmed deal is just insane to me. Yeah, I uh, I don't know. Like I, as I said before, like I I really do think that I really thought the New York Knicks were finally going to come up because it's sad, isn't it? Like when you see these interviews on like first take and Stephen A. talking about it. I mean, Madison Square Garden is the mecca. Yep. Right? Is it? Yep. Is it not? Like no. it? It is such, um, you know, such a large market. And I really thought that this was going to be the turning point for that entire franchise. I was thinking KD was going to come. Because I knew KD was leaving the Golden State Warriors. Yeah. There was no way. Yeah. There was after, no way he was going to stay. Not after what Draymond said to him. Draymond. Even, um, oh, what's his name? I think Bob Myers. Do you remember during the parade? During the parade. During the parade, he made a few, insult, he made some yeah, comments insulted, about that. Now, Denver. we know KD is like the most sensitive person. Yeah. So, obviously, he took that stuff to heart. I mean, reports recently came out that he didn't even talk to his teammates or whatever. I don't really pay too much mind to that. I don't know what the story is. I mean, media is crazy, right? Especially NBA media. Yeah. The sport is a goddamn soap opera, but that's why I love keeping up with it. I can't stop. I'm addicted. Right? But, I mean, you know, like you have uh, KD that I thought was going to join, Kyrie that I thought was going to join. I'm like, those two, I mean, yeah, one's a flat earther and one's flat earther and one's like a, you know, a super sensitive little girl. Yeah. But basketball wise you gotta you gotta give them something like they have the talent yeah so i don't know i really thought it was gonna be the turning point for the knicks but nothing it went to brooklyn instead my my favorite story that came out of it was uh after katie announced that he was gonna sign with brooklyn um i'm forgetting his name sean marks uh the general manager of the brooklyn nets uh was being interviewed and he told reporters that he didn't know that KD was going to come to Brooklyn until KD announced himself <laughs> on his Instagram. Of, co- of course, it's all it's a lie, and it's something that he has to say, given that KD announced before the moratorium period had, uh, had ended, meaning like the teams weren't allowed to communicate with the players at that time. So Sean Marks is saying there, like, well, I had no idea KD yeah. was coming. And, yeah. and in my head, there, at the back of my mind, I just imagine that this is true and katie actually said yeah i'm going to brooklyn and sean mark's phone checks instagram he's like wait a minute that's my team oh he's coming here he's coming to brooklyn i did not know that and and in my head i just i i run the scenario that sean marks is like nah i'm not not down i'm not not gonna tie a four-year max to some guy who's just coming off a bloat achilles and then katie has to delete the instagram post it's it's it'd be how perfect would that be considering how much of a diva he is how perfect would that be if that actually happened brooklyn's like sends out like this formal statement like yeah in like comic songs or whatever like yeah um no we're gonna double down on jared dudley Jared Dudley to the Lakers, eh? Yeah. yeah. You got Mr. Eggman over there. It's He's a gonna big be three. It's a the big, big three. three. <laughs> Did he Photoshop himself into one of the Twitter photos or something? I, I, I think so, yeah. He's a funny man, but I feel like he's actually a good locker room presence. Yeah. Like, all jokes aside, like I feel like it's because of how funny he looks. You know what I mean? I think I think his teammates just really just warm up to the idea of Jared Dudley. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I followed... Um, up until the Philly series, I liked Brooklyn as a team. I like uh, Kenny Atkinson. I like I like his coaching style, and I like a lot of guys on that team. I like Dinwiddie, uh, Lever, and it, there were D'Lo too. He's like I have a soft spot for him. Um, 
so I, I, re- I really like that team. And then, of course, because I love Philly, uh, when that series started, I started to hate Brooklyn and I started to hate Jared Dudley. But when I take the emotions out of it, take a step back, he's a he's a good locker room guy. The the, the way he the way he composes um, his sentences, the way he structures, the way he speaks, uh, the way he can really connect with a different generation of player is really impressive. And I think part of that comes with him having the type of career that he had and him understanding what his role is and like on twitter he says it all the time he's like i'm just here to play my role and do what i can to help this team no ego and and and, and no ego and that is the right type of mentality to have and of course i would want someone like that on on the team i'm not gonna lie i think the favorite my favorite thing about jared dudley is just how he sunned ben simmons you know, like that guy that, oh you know, what's, what's crazy to me oh is you're going to be God. in the NBA and you're not going to be able to make a jump shot. Unbelievable. Okay, so the way Jared Dudley had his arms out like the gladiator, he's like, Ben Simmons, come at me. Started scrapping Jared Dudley. You know, Ben Simmons don't want none of that smoke. Where's Jared Dudley uh, from? And and here's where I take all my Jared Dudley praise back. Did he? Did, I'm looking it up right now. What, what Ben Simmons stat line was after the uh, irrelevant. No, no, it's it's not irrelevant. irrelevant. It's, it's very relevant. I think he dropped thirty-one points on Jared Dudley the oh. day after Jared Dudley called him average. Oh, is that right? Yeah, oh, you call yeah. it. And I think points? I think Jared Dudley had zero points that game. Zero points. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. So I I'm kind of wondering where Ben Simmons was on a game seven against the Raptors, where Philly could have easily won the title, and one of your eight teams that you love. Uh-huh would be able to hold that chip up. It could have been Embiid. It could have been Ben Simmons. And I'd have nothing to talk about. I would just have to praise the 76ers. But no, Ben Simmons decided, you know what? Basketball is cool, but I don't want to learn how to shoot. I think I'm just going to... I think I'm just going to attempt five shots in a game seven and lose the game from a Kawhi buzzer reader, which, by the way, is Toronto franchise history. Like, that picture... I got to get that shit framed. Like, that's amazing. But we'll talk about that in a bit. The fact that Ben Simmons got destroyed that hard, got shut down that hard by Toronto is is just, I love it. I love it. Okay. All I'm going to say... Okay, well, that's a lie. I'm going to say quite a bit. (laughs) That Toronto series went the way it did because of the Philly front office's inability to build a competent roster around their stars Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons. It came down to Ben Simmons having to share the floor with Greg Monroe and Amir Johnson the moose, throughout, the, throughout the playoffs. It came down to Ben Simmons having to play with Boban on the floor. It came down to Embiid being like what like a plus 90 throughout that series when he's on the floor. It's unbelievable how good Joel Embiid is when he was in that already weakened state. And having to play without having a backup, without having a back, going on the bench knowing, okay, we're up four, so I'm going to go rest, and when I come back, we're going to be down four. Like, that is why that team lost that series. It didn't come down to Ben Simmons taking five shots in the last game, though he did hit four of them. It came <laughs> down to just the systemic in- inability to build a competent roster, mm-hmm. which I hope has changed because I'm liking this Philly roster a lot more going into oh, next they're big. year. They're big. And I may have them as title favorites. I don't know if that's true or not. I still need to sit on it, and I'll give my verdict before the season starts. But, man, that it could have just 
we they were one tummy tummy ache away. They were now, they were one remember? pure all hand sanitizer <laughs> away if Embiid just didn't get sick. Yeah, Embiid loves making excuses. All I remember from that series oh is his, uh, or his tears. You know his his tears. I just wanted to lick them off his off his face. I just I hate that man so much. Why do you why? Do, let me ask you this. Yeah. Why, why do you hate Embiid? Because because I love him. I I think I'd do anything. I for feel Joel like Embiid. part of the reason is that is because you love him. I just have to dislike him. But no, on a serious note, it's just man, this guy is just. I don't I don't know how to explain. It. I feel like there's a difference between being competitive and just being an arrogant prick. And Ben Simmons come across as oh I'm the I'm the Mona Lisa of basketball. I love to not shoot jump shots and make layups that are super easy. That's when my field goal percentage is up all the time. And Joel Embiid's like, yeah, you know, like I can make threes, whatever, twenty nine percent from the field. I'm pretty cool, whatever. I'm so good. So many excuses from that Philly team. You guys better do something in the upcoming wait, season. Wait, what do you what do you mean? Ex- they have not been making excuses. So it's, it's many been, excuses. It's been outside. Oh, so so what's Russell Westbrook's excuse? Oh, he didn't have the shooters around them. Yeah, exactly. So that's that's Ru- exactly that, right. That's Russell. But that's fault. not an excuse. So, so Philly had no bench. MB is just like, oh, I'm sick. I needed hand sanitizer for me to win the chip. Boy, you need to learn how to make a three point shot. And Ben Simmons, you need to learn how to make a goddamn free throw. Okay, but seriously, all jokes aside, I'm not even trolling right now. I want to get your actual opinion on something. Okay. Do you or do you not agree that for Philly and for Ben Simmons to make it to that next level, to take it up there, the boy got to shoot better than 40% from the free throw line. Come on. I mean, he didn't I'll give shoot, you he jump didn't, shots. He didn't shoot 40% from the free throw line. What is it? What is it? 60%? Okay, let me It's got to be less than 60. No, so last year he shot from the free throw line. Oh, 60%. Yeah, yeah. You say it louder. Say it louder to the mic, buddy. I want to hear it. I want to hear it through my headphones. He shot, he shot 60%. But I'll have you know in the playoffs he shot 57.5%. Oh, Jesus. Okay. As a Philly fan, like I want to hear so, your actual thoughts on this because here, it has to be something. Like I'd be pissed off. Here, here, here are my thoughts. Ben Simmons is a very good basketball player, and shooting is not as big a premium as we've been making it out to be. There are other skills on the basketball court that are far more valuable than shooting. Ben Simmons' intelligence, his ability to make plays, his defense, his perimeter defense, his post defense, his ability to push the pace, his ability to outrun the defense and score in transition, all of that is more important than Ben Simmons taking bad shots. And that's that's why I don't want Ben Simmons to start shooting long twos or anything along the along the lines of that because everybody wants ben simmons to shoot and ben simmons's whole response to that is i'm just gonna do what i'm good at and i'm gonna do it really well yeah and that's he's gonna, really good at getting bounced out of that second round isn't he i mean <laughs> i mean i guess he's better than westbrook getting bounced out of the first but uh, uh yeah, two is yeah, two yeah. is more than one but but anyways so with ben simmons he is a very good basketball player and he is well deserving of the 170 million dollars contract that he signed even right now he doesn't need to do anything other than improve what he's already good at so you're let me get this straight you're on that boat that says just improve your defense improve your passing do what you're already good at you don't need to worry about a jump shot is that what you're saying Yes, because if Ben Simmons plays in a system that is built around 
what he is good at and also built to supplement his deficiencies, he doesn't need to worry about it. And my proof for that is Giannis Antetokounmpo. Giannis cannot shoot. Giannis was league MVP and he can't shoot. Why is that? Why is that why is that the case? Why was Giannis's team the Milwaukee Bucks? Why did they have the best record in the league when Giannis can't shoot? There is no ceiling that you can arbitrarily place on a team when you say, "Oh, this guy can't shoot, so that team can't go past this round." When Giannis was so close. They were up 2-0 going into, what, second OT against oh, the Raptors Oh, buddy, you don't like want to use that as an so, example. So, they got reverse swept. That's what happens when you can't shoot. Toronto figures out, okay, this bum can't shoot. Let's clog the paint. And Giannis is like, oh, shit, what do I do now? What happens now? And then they get reverse swept. Four in a row for Toronto. That, that's it right there. That's what happens when you can't shoot. I think since... The Golden State, no, even before that, what am I saying? Since Miami Heat and LeBron needing all those shooters around him, it's a shooter's league. Ben Simmons needs to be able to shoot. And you know what? I feel like um, Philadelphia losing J.J. Redick is going to be a lot bigger than what people realize because he was money. He was ice cold. But he was such a liability. He was such a liability on defense. And he was he was good. I'm going to give him credit. He was good during the playoffs. He was better than I expected. He was... J.J. Redick took Joe Harris out of the Brooklyn series, which I did not see coming. But somehow he put the clamps on him and really gave him trouble. But they're, they're, the league has shifted from a point where there's no longer that market for ISO... Where, uh, Players that can only shoot, where they're they're they have that one skill, and this is what they're good at. They're sh- they're shooters. They can't dribble. They can't play defense. They can't pass. They can't push the pace. They can't do any of that stuff. The league, I think, has grown past that point. We are beyond just shooters. We are beyond. Oh, so and so can shoot. Oh, what the hell? Get them on the court. This the league. You need more. There are only five players that can be on the court at the same time. And if you have a player on there that is a really good shooter but can't do anything else, that team will get exploited. That team will get exploited unless they are Steph Curry level shooters or Clay Thompson level shooters, and they don't do anything else, which is not true for those players because those two players that I named also do other things. But unless they can shoot at that clip your team will be exposed and they will have a liability. You need multi-dimensional players. You need kind of like the team Phillies going in with this year, where you have a bunch of guys at every position that can do multiple things with overlapping effectiveness. Not one player needs to be the, oh, I'm the blank person, or I'm the blank person, I'm the defense person. Everyone does a little bit of everything, and that's kind of where the league, I see it going more and more, where you have your center who can drop, threes at 28 29% or something like that that can relatively space the floor. I'm not saying they're going to be dropping threes like their curry or anything like that, but I think that's the direction that the league is moving into. Okay. Now, I'm just going to, you know, like you said a lot, and I'm just going to ask you this one question which I feel like will end this entire thing. LeBron James, the greatest player of all time? Yeah. LeBum Nah, I got I got to respect him just a little. I'll give him respect for this one because it's gonna help my point. Okay. Okay. LeBron James, the chosen one. Now we're talking the most, the most hyped athlete probably of all time. Not even probably. I think LeBron James is definitely the most hyped athlete coming out of high school. The guy was 18 years old, and people saw the talent in him. 
the chosen one, whatever. The frozen one in 2011, but we'll get into that a little bit oh later. Oh my God. But LeBron James clearly had the skill set that people are raving about with Ben Simmons at a much higher degree. It's LeBron James versus Ben Simmons. Okay. Now, you tell me what would happen. He's only got, what? what is he again in the finals? What's his record? LeBron James? LeBron James? Oh, he has uh, three rings. That's and how many how many losses? I just forgot real quick. What's oh, I, I, don't, I don't think that matters. Okay. I don't think that matters. Do you think he'd get a single one of those rings if he didn't develop a jump shot? LeBron James is an example. Being the greatest in terms of basketball IQ, you want to talk IQ, it's LeBron James. You want to talk passing? It's LeBron James. Athleticism, defense, before, you know, last year, which was a shit show, LeBron James. Now, you tell me if he didn't develop a jump shot, if he didn't add that to his arsenal, would you consider him to be the greatest player of all time right now? But that's just it. You're putting Ben Simmons because of some Instagram post that LeBron calls him the young king or young prince or whatever that might be. You're putting them on the same development track. But what I'm saying is, Ben Simmons isn't going to be the greatest player of all time, and nobody will be the greatest player of all time. Like, where's that's like picking a shooter out of college and saying like, well, Steph Curry is the greatest shooter of all time, and he can curl around screens at this speed, and he can do this, and he can do that, and comparing that to another shooter, another a shooter out of college or something like that. That doesn't mean that player isn't good. That doesn't mean that player won't be an all-star, which Ben Simmons was, or all-NBA, or even Hall of Fame, or anything like that. It's like you're comparing to the greatest to ever do something like that. And I don't think we'll ever be able to compare someone to LeBron or that development track to LeBron. Ben Simmons doesn't need to become LeBron because Ben Simmons is in a different environment. So that's what I'm saying. I'm saying Ben Simmons can win a ring if he does not have a jump shot. And he could have done it last year. Ben Simmons and the Philadelphia 76ers could have won a ring. And it goes back to what I'm saying. It goes back to roster construction. It goes back to Ben Simmons not having a jump shot is maybe the fourth or fifth biggest problem that that team has. Their general manager got fired for running a burner Twitter account. That is the offseason that they had. (laughs) Their number one overall pick that they traded up to get started for that team for the first, what, 10, 11 games? And then did not play a single game until he got traded off. And then he didn't play in Orlando as well. But that team has had so many other problems that take precedence over Ben Simmons' shooting. That it's such a tired take to, to look at look at Ben Simmons on the court. And, and this is why so many people don't like Ben Simmons. Because he took it easy in LSU. Because Ben Simmons is a young, good-looking guy. Because he's <laughs> makes a lot of money. Because he dates Kardashians. Because all of that stuff and all of that hate that people have for other things starts feeding into, why doesn't he shoot threes? Why doesn't he have that Mamba mentality like Donovan Mitchell, who regressed in his second year? Why doesn't... <laughs> I see you here. I'm just throwing these takes yeah, up there. I mean, but, no, okay. So, yeah. so that's what I'm saying. Ben Simmons' jump shot, I understand it's not ideal. Of course I would want Ben Simmons if he could shoot threes at 36 37% league average or whatever that might be. But at the same time, I would love it if Embiid could pass like Jokic. I would absolutely love that. I would love it if Tobias Harris shot like Steph 
Curry and and all those things. I'd love it if Zaire Smith wasn't allergic to sesame seeds and didn't almost <laughs> die last season. There are all kinds of things that I wish I could change, but things are the way they are. No, so. I, I'm I'm with you on that. And you know, I use LeBron James as an example because of how many comparisons I've heard between Ben Simmons and LeBron. Not in terms of greatness, but in terms of the style of play. Ben Simmons to start out right now, which I think he's in as what his third he's going into his third he's gonna be yeah going into the third year yeah even though he took a year off for one rookie of the year which i don't know why it clearly should have been donovan mitchell but like oh, it c- c- clearly should have been donovan mitchell when ben clearly. simmons got 90 percent of the vote there yeah, was I mean, like, no when you're a year older it's like you you have exp- you know like your, oh the yeah ability so, to- so let me let me put it like this donovan mitchell's second year his second season when he has that year of experience in fact more experienced than ben simmons because donovan mitchell actually played that first oh because year. he has an able body right oh yeah, yeah so so ben simmons rookie year was still better than donovan mitchell's sophomore year and ben simmons rookie year would have won rookie of the year against donovan mitchell's sophomore year with two years under his belt yeah that's why, so, that's so why ben that. simmons is going for rookie of the year next year too he's just gonna keep going for rookie of the year rookie of the year college player of the year he's just gonna keep going but okay back to my original point it's just like i bring lebron james up it's because You've seen it. You've seen what developing a jump shot could add to a person's arsenal. Now, as you said before, of course, it's not ideal. But I'm just thinking it's got to be frustrating, not just not ideal. It's got to be frustrating as a fan to see a person who has such talent, the potential alone, with just his IQ, defense, and passing. Now you add a couple more sessions with the basketball shooting coach... And you're able to take it. If Ben Simmons had a jump shot, it's an easy trip to the finals last year. Easy trip. But but you can say that about anything. If if Joel Embiid didn't get sick in that one week period He's against the trash. Raptors, it's an easy trip to the finals. If the Philadelphia 76ers didn't have five centers on their roster last year, it would be. They've got do. I mean, you know, this upcoming yeah. season they look pretty good. They're yeah. super long. So, so you just you you change these one things, and then and then history changes, and then and then we, all of a sudden, Ben. Yeah, Simmons I mean, has it's, a it's like if so, that, if this, if that, I get so, it. So, so what I'm saying is, I understand what you're saying, and and maybe that variable that you tweak, and we run this simulation again, and Ben Simmons ends up in the finals. Yes, but I'm saying that you could get more bang from your buck by tweaking some other variables. That's like saying if Fred Van Vliet shot. 10% more from three, the series wouldn't have gone to six games. It would have ended in four with the Raptors winning. And Yeah, I and, mean, you and, know, I never like getting into ifs with basketball. So you're right. If this, you know, if it's, you could just keep going on and on and on and on. It's a very valueless and not really like a good conversation to be yeah. like, what if this happened? So, because there's so much that So what, I, what I'll say is I understand that Ben Simmons has a deficiency in his game. And I understand it's the easiest, it's the lowest hanging fruit to see, to watch a basketball game. And within seconds, anyone could be like, wait, that guy's not shooting. Why is he, why is he passing like that? But all I'm saying is nobody said this about Giannis. And he won MVP. He won league MVP playing the way Ben Simmons plays because he had a system that was built around his skills. Why Why did Giannis get so many MVP votes? Why is there no hate against Giannis for that? And I understand he had that po- his postseason shortcomings and stuff like that, but no one talks about that. That's not what the narrative is. The narrative is Giannis is the best player in the league. Giannis is the future of the league. So for two players that are so similar in their games... One just has the right system around him, and one doesn't. And we don't talk about that. 
you know why people talk about Giannis and not Ben Simmons? The the thing is, and I'm sure we can search search this up, but Giannis attempts. But but that's just and it. even if it's a bad percentage, he's still young. He's still developing his game. He's but, still learning. That's just the it. issue with Philadelphia and Ben Simmons is he's not even attempting. But that's them. just right, Ben. I'm telling you right now, if Ben Simmons played the way these Mamba mentality people want him to play, so he has that killer instinct and he pulls up from 21 feet and shoots these terrible jumpers, they would not go to seven against the Raptors. They would lose in four. Because Ben but Simmons, the outcome is the same. The out the second it's still a second on exit. Would you not rather have someone take those shots, make those mistakes, no. but get better at it? So that way, coming into next season, you'll just be a better team. Ben, I'm I'm gonna say the percentage of shots NBA players take in a game in a game versus the percentage of shots they take game plus training in the offseason combined. That percentage has got to be less than 1%. Him taking those shots in the game, that's not practice. What are you doing? You want to practice? I would love it if Ben Simmons shot 500 three-pointers every day of the offseason. But if he is not a good three-point shooter, I don't want him taking a single one during a game. Because it hurts the offense, and that's what was happening with Giannis. Anytime Giannis took those shots, they were worse for the offense overall. The team did worse overall. But people watching the game, ah, oh, look at that guy. He's got that killer instinct. You know, he's got that drive in him. He's got that Donovan Mitchell chucker in him where he's just going to keep taking these shots. If someone is not good at something, you shouldn't want them to do that. Russell Westbrook is not a good three-point shooter. But if Russell Westbrook shot 12 threes in a game and made two of them, would you say, you know what, Russ, keep shooting because you know what, you're going to learn and you're going to develop. No, you're going to say, Russ, stop shooting threes, learn how to shoot threes in the offseason and come back. And Here's a key them. difference though between what you just said. We're talking Russ at 31 and we're talking Ben Simmons at 20. The league could be his. There's so much time for this man to become the greatest player the NBA has seen. And I'd rather he take those shots, make those mistakes, be, be you know, like, um, what's it called? Um, absolutely targeted by media, by fans. It doesn't seem like Ben Simmons cares. But if it's going to, in the long term, make your team better, no, wouldn't but that's you want just that? It. That's just it. Why, why would you believe that? Why would you believe that this will make the team better? When a team has a title shot, Philadelphia is going in next season with a title shot with Ben Simmons playing the way he plays. They can win the NBA Finals. And what you're saying is rather than winning the NBA Finals, Ben Simmons, in, in those moments, you should just take these shots. And even though your team loses and you lose out on this title window with Embiid at 25 and his health questionable, nobody has a sustained title window. Toronto is proof of that. Nobody has a sustained title window. And I don't care how much you try to talk yourself into any team in the league. You can talk yourself into Golden State's title window. And just like that, it was gone. One blown Achilles. You never know when you're going to have a chance to win. And Ben Simmons says, if my team has a chance to win in NBA Finals right now, win the title right now, I'm going to play in the opposite optimal way to win right now he is developing his game in the offseason but that's what i'm saying you can't be going around throwing away these title windows when nothing is guaranteed Embiid could tear his acl next season and his and his career could go in a completely different trajectory ben simmons could break his foot again and his career could go in a completely different trajectory you can't take these moments for granted is all i'm saying and you you can't treat your time on the court in regulation 
as development. You do your practice in the offseason, and when you're on the court, you make the smartest play that you can in that moment, be it shooting a shot, passing, deferring, cutting, whatever it might be. Yeah, or trying to defend Kawhi Leonard in that Game 7 buzzer beater and just dish, dish, dish. That was- I, I had questions. You know what? When that actually happened, I didn't know how you were going to feel. I was genuine when I asked you if you were happy or you were sad. Because for those who don't know, Omar is a Toronto Raptors fan. He is a Philadelphia fan. He is a Chicago Bulls fan. He is a LA Lakers fan. He is a Houston Rockets fan. He is whoa, whoa, whoa. a Charlotte Hornets fan. Whoa, whoa. Okay. That, that, <laughs> Terry Rozier is one player I will not get behind. But yeah. Okay. So... Just, just to just to correct that, I I love the Chicago Bulls more than any other team. They are. Unf- I'm so sorry. My condolences, buddy. They're, they're, I don't know I what don't, you guys got going on there, but it's not looking good right now. What so. are you talking about? Kobe White, Wendell Carter Jr., <laughs> Lowry Markkinen. This is the market is money. Market is money. I'll give you that. This he's, the, he's good, and he looks jacked. Oh my god! Yeah, see, that's another podcast. That's like the after hours podcast. <laughs> All right, we'll, we'll start. We'll start talking about how Jack Market and, and and how fast Kobe White can run and all that in the next pod. So we, the Bulls, yes. Then it's the Raptors, yes. And then it's Philly. Just, it is not then the Raptors. No, it is. It is absolutely not then the Raptors. It is Chicago. It is Philly. It is whatever other no, no, team no, no, and then no, Toronto no, no, Raptors. No, 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 no. no. It is the Raptors, and and you can open up our WhatsApp conversations and control F any ranking that I've given of my teams. It has always been Chicago, then it's been the Raptors, and then it's Philly because man, they are just such a likable team. I just I just can't help I, but I like yeah, him. And and know. Houston is not in that. I I just like Daryl Morey because he's a good GM. And he's a snake is what he is. Uh, Daryl, I love Daryl Morey and. LeBron James is the greatest basketball player of all time. So any team is behind on all, Michael course. Jordan. Yes. Who? Michael Jordan. Michael Jeffrey Jordan. Oh, actually. So um, at my uh, my third grade bus driver, um, <laughs> he actually defended Mike in in, in the finals in, back in the nineties. Did he tell so, you stories? Did he tell yeah. you stories about playing against yeah, Mike? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so so were those the kind of guys that Mike played against? Yeah, you know what, man. I mean, it's. Like just just on a side note, it's so hard to compare different eras, yeah. right? Between Michael, like it, being being completely serious, like all troll aside, like it's it's very difficult for you to compare a player like LeBron James in this current environment, the way that the league is run, and the way that players are playing in comparison to Michael Jordan's era. Yeah. Like that that conversation, it's fun to have. It's always, you know, like good barbershop talk. Yeah. But it's so difficult to be like, no, I am absolutely right. LeBron James is the GOAT. Or no, I am absolutely right on my old on my old head ass. Yeah. That Michael Jordan is the GOAT. It's it's a it's, I don't know. It's, and, and and I'm glad. It's you boring this up. that I said that. I know. Like I want to yeah. give a definitive answer. And just to like troll you, I'm always gonna say Michael Jordan, even though I'm like twenty two, so I don't know what the hell he's done. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, like it's Okay, so it's tough. So I'm I'm glad you brought this up. I wanna I wanna ask you something. There are certain older players out there that have really embraced the younger generation of players that defer to them that recognize their greatness and sometimes even recognize that they were better than them i'm talking about players like alan iverson because i watch a lot of philly games i see ai on the bench and ai is just one of the most supportive retired players that i have seen he's just so proud of this younger generation 
he's so proud of Embiid and Simmons and the way he speaks to them, the way he speaks about them uh, to the media. It's like he recognizes that these are the future. This is the generation that's going to succeed him, that's going to do more than he can. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is one of the more supportive retired players that's out there. He just seems like such a nice and genuine person. The way he speaks on people passing certain accolades and things like that. It's So what I wanted to ask is, why do you think certain players um, are like this and how it compares to music, for example? Why why in the music industry, and and hip-hop and rap in particular, why aren't older artists as supportive as players are to younger players? Like, yeah, I know exactly where you're coming from. Who is the Kareem? Like, why... Yeah. Why don't these older rappers and stuff like that just understand like, hey, you know what? This is a young man's game now and blank artist is better than me, whereas players can do that. And maybe it's because basketball is a bit more metric space. So you look at Oscar Robertson can look at Russell Westbrook's stats and see that, wow, he actually did this over three seasons. And yeah. very clearly his stats are better than my stats or whatever it might be. But how come in rap and hip hop that that doesn't end up happening? Like we, we don't have the Jay-Z. Question. Like who are the who are those players? And, uh, who are, Sorry, who are those rappers and why aren't they doing that for the younger generation? You know what generation? it is? You know what, what I feel? I think it's because everyone is such a competitor. It really comes down to competitiveness. Who wants to admit that, yeah, nowadays they're better, but, you know, like back in my era? Because in the end, if you say stuff like, you know, LeBron James, if you were like playing in the 90s or whatever, yeah, LeBron James would easily just go. I mean, every man has a bit of pride, right? You have a bit of pride. And then admitting to something like that is super tough. So with players in the 90s, for example, they're always going to say that Michael Jordan is better than, than LeBron James because they're like, I played against Mike. I didn't play against LeBron. So admitting to something like that, that's just a that's just a weak move. And no competitor. If you're in the NBA, it means you have a you have a hyper competitiveness in you. Yeah. You practice long enough, you practice hard enough that you got to that stage, right? So I think that's what it comes down to. People are just too afraid to say anything like that. And it's so unfortunate because supporting newer artists, supporting newer players, there's so much good that can come out of it. An older player can give some tips that can develop a younger player to be even better than LeBron James, even better than what the world has ever seen. But because of that pride and that competitiveness, they're not able to do they're not able to do that. Mm-hmm. Right? Now going back to hip hop and rap, hundred percent. I'm with you on that. You're not gonna find a single old head rapper who only listens to yo, I listen only listen to Cool G rap and my dog Big L and Tupac and Biggie. No one's gonna say, but young thug though? Yeah. But Lil Gunna though? Yeah, but Nav. Okay, well Nav. Let's just. I don't know why I added them there. <laughs> but they're not gonna. They're not gonna admit to that because it's a completely different playing ground, and nobody wants to admit that. Hey, maybe things are good. People think that change is bad all the time, but it doesn't have to be. Yeah, change could be good. Yeah, and I think that's what people are afraid to admit. Yeah, and because it, they're not in the same era, and they can't. They don't have the ability to compete with that person. It's just a kind of like a nonsense topic. Like, oh, you have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah. Of course I'm better. Of course Michael Jordan is better. Of course Jay-Z is better than, you know, a boogie with the hoodie. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's because of that competitiveness and pride within whatever you're doing. Like, you just want to be better and better. You want to be the greatest of what you do. Right? I don't know. I think that's what it comes down to. 
No, definitely. But that's a good question. I want to hear yeah. your thoughts on that too. Like, what do you think? Yeah, I I think you nailed it when it comes down to basketball. It, the the competitive nature of it, and and I guess the pride that comes along with it. That's why I'm. I always, in my mind, anytime a player can admit to a younger generation superseding them and going past them in 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 whatever sense i respect that player so much more because i understand that that player was able to recognize their humility because isn't that what we should all strive for that the next generation be better than us that like our kids are better podcasters than we could ever be and 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 things like that like i think that's the right mentality to have and then when it comes down to hip-hop it's like i'm i was thinking about this earlier today i was listening to lost boy uh, oh, your, did you? Yeah, did you listen to that album? YBN? Yeah. yeah, and man, that is a good album. It's a good album, isn't it? That's is a, a good, good album. album. So, so you told me about Lost Boy, and you told me about uh, Port of Miami too. I mm-hmm. think that's what it's called. Port of Miami too. Yep, yeah, yeah. Right. And I don't know. I was just not feeling Ross. I, I, it was just maybe I'm in a different stage in my life. Maybe if you if I listened to that in 2008, that would have that would have really struck out to me. Yeah. But like I just. It just wasn't something that in in my state of mind that I'm like okay this is something I like but but Lost Boy was really good and I and I really recommend it it um R and P uh was was amazing and uh, the vibe from yeah. that track when Anderson Park and oh YBN are going back and forth yeah I did not expect a duo like that yeah to just to make it work like when they were going back and forth trading bars exchanging bars i'm thinking what is going on right now it worked perfectly it was absolutely amazing and that push a t feature was great too yeah. and i think it's, it's called nightmares are real yeah that was a dope song yeah beat was nasty push a t had great bars too yeah so then i just started thinking i'm like i'm drawing a blank when it comes down to in in rap to think of those the, the barons the moguls the ones that have done it already that are that are in the hall of fame to that are speaking out in favor of the newer generation that are saying like, oh, these guys are going to be better than I am. And I don't know if they're using those entirely words. So Pusha T to an extent, I know he works with a lot of younger artists. Um, Lost, the Lost Boy work was just one of them. Um, and he often does promote their their work and, and, and say, but I but I can't think of those, those artists that are out there. Like, I guess kanye to an extent when he took on i guess when he started working with cuddy and and uh chance and stuff like that i guess that to an extent but i don't know if that point in his career kanye had already become a quote-unquote has-been i think he was still in prime when kanye worked with cuddy when kanye worked with chance he was still prime easy and i and i and i want to see someone who's at their at the jay-z level of their career at the 50 cent level of their career at the, the lloyd banks level of their career to be oh, like oh i haven't heard yeah. that even so long yeah uh i want someone at that stage of their career to come out and say blank artist is 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 better and and i would respect that artist so much more to to just say like and maybe it's because art is more subjective than basketball and music is more subjective but i don't know i i i really wish that it was more supportive the hip hop community and more inclusive in that sense. I mean, YBN has another um, has another track. It's like a response track to 1985 by uh-huh. J Cole. I, I heard about that one. Right? Yeah. yeah. It's basically like um, what it's talking about is, you know, these old heads, right? These old rappers are constantly telling you what to do, what to do. But YBN literally just touched on exactly this conversation. It's just like, yo, why aren't you guys like supporting us? We have so much talent. We kind of went through what you did. And even in their era, they were the young guys that the old heads were not understanding. Like, you know, I'm sure, you know, in the 90s, 
Grandmaster Flash and Sugar Hill Gang and Cool G Rap and Rockin' were thinking, what's this gangster rap? What are these kids doing? Yeah. There was never that support factor, right? Mm-hmm. So I think YBN has a line talking about like not having a father figure. And I think it kind of draws a connection to the older generation not being there to support them. Yeah. Like if you're not, if you're going to shit on us constantly, as, at least guide us, at least tell us what we should do and then leave it upon us to decide if that's something that would be right in this current environment. Yeah. Why be it like literally our conversation right now in that response track to 1985, yeah. he, he talks about it. I, I, have, I haven't heard the track, but I heard that Cole ended up producing uh, for on on last but I think it was uh, R&P. R&P. I think it was R&P. Cole. I did not know he produced it. That's an amazing beat. Yeah. It's so, so summer, man. So I love I, it. I think that opened, that started the dialogue where Cole probably realized he's like, oh yeah, I think I'm kind of in the Now, Cole here. has always been, you know, like I know the meme with him and I bring up <laughs> J. Cole and you're already falling asleep. <laughs> but, you know, with J. Cole and his track Middle Child, it's such an interesting thing to me. It's because you're right, you know, you're right in the middle. You're, you're big bro to the younger artists, but you're still the young end to the old heads. Yeah. So you're right in the middle right now. Yeah. J. Cole's perspective is actually super unique. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So the fact that he's supporting these artists, like he had that little interview with Lil Pump, I think. Yeah. Um, you know, producing on YBN's album, uh, Revenge of the Dreamers. Like there's this crazy, there's this other great artists as well. Uh, you should definitely listen to um, um, G.I.D.'s album. Okay. Um, not because it has a song called Westbrook which is one of the best songs there okay I'm definitely going to skip that one (laughs) no but but seriously like off the zoinkies like there's a lot of great tracks on that album I think it's called um, DiCaprio DiCaprio 2 is what it's called check it out it's actually a very good album but yeah he's a younger artist that J. Cole is you know kind of putting on Um, there's a shit ton of artists that J. Cole has either worked with or you know has you know at least given them a platform for them to to do something so i think j cole's doing it right in terms of people getting to that jay-z level or like the rap moguls that you were talking about i think j cole is following that path of trying to be big bro mm-hmm. and being able to guide these young artists um in that way yeah so if we had to pick an artist i would say right now it's j cole i think he's really trying to guide the wave right now yeah it's 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 difficult because like he's still in that state he's still He's still I, newer. I, yeah, he's still newer, and and I I wouldn't say he's out of his years, prime yeah. yet. I like, I think he's he still has that capability. Like if Drake yeah. was to, uh, as uh, academics calls it, this the OVO sweatshop. Uh, uh, if if he yeah. was to embrace them a bit more and like division and like all those guys, Magic Jordan, and he was to really put on for them, right, and stuff like that, in in a much more prominent way, I it wouldn't be the same because Drake is still in his prime. Yeah. So. It's and you know how crazy that is? Sorry, still, I know we're, we're yeah. talking about Drake. But I don't think, you know, we're from Toronto. And I still hear people that dislike Drake and his antics. And big from Toronto. I'm sorry. I just cannot get behind that. You don't yeah. need to like the guy's music. But the impact. Yeah. Toronto was yeah. on the map because of Drake. And I know I'm going to piss off a lot of people with that. But I said it. Yeah. I'm with it 100%. Drake did so much for the city and for the country. Yeah. Weekends from Scarborough. Do you ever hear anything from him? Yeah. He doesn't say anything. His new album coming out, which, you know, I heard he like broke up with Bella Hadid too, so it should be like a good album. I saw the tweet album mode. Yeah, 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 album mode is going to be. I'm pretty excited for like another trilogy. Drake's 
the length of his prime. Yeah. He's not stopping anytime soon. Yeah. It's crazy to me. When did Best I Ever Had come out? That was his first big sing- uh, single, yeah. which I think is from 08. Yeah. It's 2019, dude. It's been 11 years. Yeah. The equivalent to that is when Eminem came out. Like what? 1999? Till 2010. Imagine having that level of fame and popularity. Care Package is a release of older tracks and it went number one. Yeah. God, I love that album. Right? Like, so many good songs. Like yeah. having Dreams Money Can Buy, yeah. 4 p.m. in Calabasas, 5 a.m. in Toronto. Oh my God. All of that in like iTunes and like Apple Music. It's so good. It's it's amazing. The, the thing about Drake is he is smart enough to know and, and this is true for athletes as well. To, it ties kind of into, into basketball as well. They have a limited window of maximizing their earning potential. With athletes, it's the prime of their bodies. Because they have from the age of 20 or whatever when they enter the league to their early 30s. And, and for a lot of athletes, even less than that. Um, even just their 20s. Where this is the most amount of money they'll be able to earn for many of them not all of them this is the most amount of money they'll be able to earn in their life and they need to maximize that earning potential and for drake he realizes when he's 50 or 45 nobody's going to want to listen to his songs at that point Mm -hmm. in in his career and he's going to have to diversify his portfolio and his holdings and his way to make money but right now people want to listen to him still he's still at that point i i don't know how old he is right now but but the fact that his age isn't a factor to listeners just goes to show that he's still at that point where he can release new music he could release an album and people would still go after it so he is maximizing that earning potential that he has and i respect him so much for that and more so because he's not just putting up empty stats he's really putting out good music still I think so too. Still, I mean, a lot of people, you know, like uh, I know, I know, Scorpion was uh, was a little bit long, but man, it still had tracks like eight out of ten. Yeah, it still had tracks like Don't Matter to Me. It yeah. still had tracks like, you know, Ratchet Happy Birthday, yeah. which is dope. Sandra's Rose. Yeah, uh, the, uh, what was that track with uh, with Jay Z, Dope Man or something like that? I think so. I'm forgetting. Well, like maybe name, that's yeah. that's how the song goes, but yeah, um, so many good tracks. Yeah. And it's crazy to me because when you put things into perspective, like I brought up M's career and obviously from 2000, I know he had his hiatus or whatever, but the only artist that I can think of that people still give a shit about is is Kanye yeah. from 04 till now. Like if, if Kanye was to drop Yandi, that yeah. album, people would obviously go crazy over it Yeah, because it's Kanye. Yeah. So Drake is following kind of like a similar, it's kind of, there's very few artists that can do as much as he's done you know with this every single year it seems like there's a drake banger yeah the in this day and age to still be able to captivate people's attention to still be able to hold on to that that is so valuable to be able to sell one thousand dollar lawn tickets for ovo <laughs> that's got to say a lot about you i mean come on drake you gotta you didn't have to do us like that man like freaking yin yang twins are headlining and <laughs> drake if you're listening we would uh love to promote ovo fest if you could uh next year if you could uh, hook us up with some tickets a 100 percent discount or 120 percent discount please, give us money please pay us to come to your show and then we might talk about it on the pod with all two of our listeners including myself and omar so, so I'm, listen- <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm listening to that third listener i'm talking to that third, third listener, listener right now yeah i think uh i think we, this was a pretty good conversation for our no, first i think pod, so i think this say? was a good episode one yeah um but it's probably is about time to wrap things up right yeah yeah for sure so at this point uh, i want to thank you for listening if you made it this far 
And uh, just to remind you to reconnect, um, sorry, connect with us, uh, leave a review on wherever you listen to your podcast, um, whether it's iTunes or Stitcher or Spotify. Um, I don't know if you can leave reviews on Spotify, actually. I'll look into that. But please re- leave your reviews. And uh, probably the easiest way to get a hold of us is actually our social media. So our Twitter is at the session ball and our Instagram is at the session ball. So please um, hit them up. And also you can, if you don't want to reach out on that, you can send us an email at thesessionbasketball at gmail.com. That's thesessionbasketball at gmail.com. And we'd love to hear from you, whether you have questions, concerns, you just want to talk shit to us, you want to, you say our voices suck, whatever it might be. Uh, we really appreciate you listening to this first episode, and I'll toss it to you to sign off, man. Yeah, I think uh, I think you wrap things up pretty well. Make sure to follow us on social media, um, and yeah, we just want to do we we just want to do more of these, right? Let's we want to be consistent with it. So stay tuned for more, um, and we're just gonna sign out now. So thanks a lot for listening. Cheers. <laughs> <laughs>